welcome to the Every Cloud podcast by me, Cloudy Price. I'm here to share the silver linings with you. Everyone has experienced a bad situation, whether you've lost someone, failed at something, or received some bad news. It's important to reflect upon these and see the good and the bad, even if it's not apparent at the time. Because at the end of the day, every cloud has a silver lining. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest about the challenges they have faced and how they've overcome these. Of course, there'll be some giggles and fun stories along the way. So if you've just woken up, you're on your way to work, or you simply just need some positivity, I really hope you enjoy this episode. So today I spoke to Ellen van der Vallen. I don't know if that's how to say her full name, but I gave it a good shot. She is the founder of a production company called Particle 6. We discussed the journey which led her to starting her production company. After stage school and getting a degree in science, Ellen spent time in LA auditioning as an actor. Eventually this led her back to the UK where she found her husband and has now got a lovely dog. We discussed the highs and lows of this journey that any other actress and entrepreneur would also experience. I hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm very excited to be joined with Aline today. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm really good, thank you. So if you'd just like to tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So I'm Aline and I run a company called Particle 6. We make content, so that's either broadcast or it's commercial and um, we service both. So we do a lot of content for the BBC, um, for BBC Three and for BBC Learning. And then also we do uh, digital adverts for tech companies and anybody else that needs it. Oh, lovely. That sounds really, really interesting. So how did that all come about? Oh, that was a long time ago. So I was in L.A. working as an actor. And um, I wasn't super impressed with the types of roles that I was being put forward for. You know, a lot of the female roles are really boring and a bit damselly in, in the stress. And so I thought I'd create some of my own stuff. So I started producing my own little videos out there. And then eventually I had a friend who saw my videos online and he ran a hedge fund. And he said, oh, you know, we're, we're looking at doing some sort of fun video for our clients at Christmas. Would you like to do it? And I said, yeah, sure. What do you what, what do you want to make? And he said, oh, I think we should do Call Me Baby and then with the whole team singing it. And so <laughs> we made this really fun funny. video. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and I, I, you know, they wanted to pay me. I said, oh, no, you can't pay me for this. this is, yeah, <laughs> it's just something that I do like a hobby. It's for fun. And so they paid yeah. me in shampoo. Oh, nice. I have a lot of hair. So to me, that was like the best thing ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so I funny. was super excited. And um, it was out of that that my business really grew. So after that, I, I became a producer at Endemol and um, I became managing director of a video platform and production company called Makers Channel in the Netherlands. And, and slowly, but yeah, you know, I started um, building it. And then out of that came Particle 6. Amazing. So was that the first video you created or had you given that a go beforehand? No, I created loads of comedy videos before that, but that was the first sort of commercial corporate video I did when it was for an actual company as opposed to just for my own fun. So had that been a hobby that you had for a long time beforehand? From the age of five, I think I was watching The Sound of Music and I would just watch, obviously I'd watch the actual film, but the best bit about it, the bit I can remember the most, is the behind the scenes element. And I always said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I wanted to be directing. Well, I didn't know what producing was yet, but, you know, I want to be making this stuff. And I think that's where it all came from. And that's, I went to performing arts school and obviously heavily focused on the performing side of things. But then 
also studied physics and so I was able to sort of put those two you know the analytical side and the creative side together and, and produce and really enjoy you know making things that lots of people get to see that you know translate an idea open people's mind you know open someone's mind yeah definitely you sound like you have so many hobbies and passions that you really enjoy when did you start acting oh I started acting when I was very young but I went to performing arts school at 14 I went to the arts educational school in train Daisy Ridley went and Lily James and yeah some loads of other people (laughs) (laughs) and how was your experience there oh I absolutely loved it like I think it was so enriching because academics to me on its own were very boring so the fact that you were challenged with a morning of academics but then in the afternoon you were dancing singing acting and you still had to you know get your grades a GCSE and A level was the best part about it you know it's really challenging and and I, I really thrive in a in a situation like that I can imagine that was really fun if you enjoyed academia and the arts where did you grow up before you went to Tring? So I'm actually from a Dutch island in the Caribbean called Curaçao, which is really far away. Um, yeah. My mum, my mum's from there too. I was born there, and my family from my mum's side has been there for about 300 years. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, my dad's Dutch, but he's very much integrated in the island. And um, yeah. I came. We moved around a lot as my parents, you know, had different jobs. And eventually, I came to the UK for this performing arts school because that, that's what I really wanted to do. I can imagine that was really exciting. How did that impact you moving around when you were younger? You know, if you go to a different school, I think Tracy Allman talks about this as well. You know, if you go through to a different school yeah. every couple of years, you know, I think we were moving every two years, every three years. You have to develop it. So this is not even my natural accent. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've got such an English accent. I was like, are you sure you didn't grow up here? <laughs> <laughs> it's all fake. You're just a good actress. <laughs> you just adapt to wherever you are. And so it really hurts my ears if two people are speaking in a different accent. So I usually just copy whoever I'm speaking to. So if I'm speaking to an American, um, I'll, I'll switch and I'll become American. Um, yeah. That's that's just natural, like, survival. <laughs> and so my friends at uni used to put me um, in a room, you know, with a, an American on my right and an English person on my left, and I'd get very confused. And so I'd switch accents wherever my head was pointing. The same happens in Dutch, you know. I, I will speak Dutch uh, with a Caribbean accent when I'm in Curaçao, but with a, you know, more of a Dutch-Dutch accent when I'm in Amsterdam. So it just And the same goes in French. And nobody speaks yeah. Dutch, so I've had to learn all these other languages as I grew oh. up. <laughs> yeah. I completely get that, though, because I spoke German from a young age, um, and that was my second language. But whenever I hear someone speak German, and then someone speaking English with me as well, at the same time, it really, really confuses me. I feel like I have an English brain and a German brain, and sometimes when they're both working at the same time, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it also really, really confuses me when people ask me to translate something as well, because I feel like I have to put it from one brain to the other, and I'm like, ah, I can't do this. But yeah, no, it's not as easy as it looks translating no no it's very hard translation is a real skill I think it really is yeah yeah so you've been to so many countries and you've lived in a range of countries as well what would you say the best country you've lived in so far has been oh that's a very good question but when I was 27 I sort of decided I needed to live in a forever place I'd you know I carried on that sort of moving around when I was in my 20s because that's all I knew and so I did, yeah, cool. you know, I did two years in London, then one year in Switzerland, then another year in London, then two years in Amsterdam, then four years in LA. And, and then I was like, right, this, this is enough. I need, to be <laughs> yeah, I need to be in one place. And I chose to go back to London 
because I had my uni friends here and I felt like it had the integrity that I was missing in LA from my friends group, you know, real, real friendships and people with different interests, which was very important to me and different intellectual, you know, ideas. And then, uh, and also it was a little bit more, um, you know there's a bit more striving in London than there is compared to Holland you know there's people are very ambitious and a bit and driven in London which I really like they're too driven in 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 LA I can imagine so how old were you when you moved to LA oh I was 24 I think yeah I was very young I had a, a an O1 visa and I just gave it a shot and I worked you know I did like a Verizon advert I did a film with Jamie Dornan I did a film with Dolph Lundgren um and I was but uh, but my main money was coming from tutoring you know I was tutoring math physics to young kids and I really enjoyed that and yeah LA is is the first two years I was like this is the best place on earth I want to be here forever and then yeah. the last two years, I was a bit sad about the place. You know, Aww. there's, it's quite empty. It's a bit hollow and people are very unhappy. I think that's, you know, there's a lot of broken dreams and unhappy people is not a nice, it doesn't, yeah, it's not conducive to a nice environment. And of course, when you move somewhere new, you want to think the best of it and you're going to be excited about it. But really, when you settle in and you realise the reality of the place, it can be very different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, your tinted glasses go away and you see the real... Yeah, um, before you went to LA, you went to university? I went to Imperial College. I did physics Amen. there. Yeah. And how was that experience? Was it as good as you hoped? Yes, yes. It was, um, it was very challenging. Yeah. Uh, I can't deny that. I, I then also did a year abroad in Switzerland on an Erasmus exchange. Nice. Which I was meant to go to Spain, to Tenerife, but actually... You know, my I struggled so much with the physics, like it was really hard. And so then yeah. to think of doing that all in Spanish, which also was like my fourth or fifth language instead of my second oh. language. <laughs> I can imagine it was getting a bit difficult then. Yeah, I was like, that's just a bit too much. So mate, let's switch to French because my yeah. French was reasonably good. Um, it was my second or third language. And so I thought, well, I'll do it in French and I'll survive. Yeah, sometimes you need to be a bit kind to yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> You obviously had a passion for a range of different things like acting and the behind the scenes bits. So what led you to decide to study physics? It was, I yeah, I think I always just had a passion for, for reactions of, you know, whether in acting that's people. So how do people yeah. react to one another? What is, their, what is their thought process? You know, that's what acting is. And the same, I think that same curiosity I applied to nature, like why is it you know why does it react this way why are the laws of nature like this why does it work like this and so that's exact same um, curiosity in a way so that and, and it was just wonderful I had wonderful physics and math teachers and they really you know instilled that thirst for for knowledge in me and they really got me interested in those subjects and, and you know they were very good at pushing me in that direction they, they were women and they were very inspiring and they were like yes you can do engineering or physics and I never even I didn't know what the word engineering meant uh-huh. <laughs> I actually had no idea and I didn't know which unis I should be applying to either because uh, obviously I didn't grow up in the UK and I had no idea you know what a good uni was so for example yeah. you know 
what many kids don't realize is I mean you apply to Oxford or Cambridge you apply to a college and it's all very complicated and so I they were very good at introducing me to that and I applied to they were like well physics is really good at Imperial College which I never heard of this university yeah that's the thing I think before you go to university it's also alien to you you don't know what course to look for what university to look for because you just haven't done it before so yeah and then it's you know it's one year into your A-levels and you already have to make these decisions and if you don't yeah. have good teachers that can guide you you know you could be lost because how, how would you know what to, like if it had been up to me I wouldn't even have filled in a UCAS form yeah you don't even know what UCAS means still don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah nor do I um yeah no it's such a big commitment as well like thinking you've got three years of your life to commit to a degree and then you have that degree to your name forever and it does have a lot of direction in your life as to what your career will be and everything. And when you're at sixth form doing your A-levels, it can really just feel like such a big choice to make. Yeah. The one good thing about, not the one, but one of the good things about the UK is that, you know, you can go and study history or physics or philosophy and then go and be retrained in something else. That Absolutely, is, yeah. Yeah, that's not as common in other countries where, you know, it doesn't really matter what, you know, as long as you've, enjoyed your degree and you've got good grades you can go in any direction I think that's a really valuable um, thing because it means that people do follow that one and it doesn't really matter you know I just felt oh well I felt like I should go to uni and I had good grades in physics and math so I'll do that but I didn't feel like that would I always knew I'd go back to the performing arts and the media and and creating content so it didn't feel like that was the end of the road for me. Even when I was studying physics, I was like, one day I'm going to make a show about this. It was always in the back of my mind. Yeah. And that's so amazing because you've done it now. So so when along the way did you decide to move back to England? Yeah, so I was 27 and, you know, it was that horrible time in LA where I just realised that, you know, nothing was quite what what I wanted it to be and I felt like I needed my friends around me and a good support network and so I made a decision just like I think within two weeks and I was like okay that's it I'm moving back to London and I just gave up my flat gave packed everything up and just left I was like I'm out of here um and that was a big you know it was a bit of an irrational decision but yeah for the first six months back, I was a bit lost and I was in this, I didn't have much money. I was in debt a little bit and I um, I was living in Bethnal Green in like a dingy little flat with lots of mould. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I got this internship and I would, you know, I didn't have any money. So I would walk there every day to the internship and then eat beans and then walk back. And I was just surviving. I was just like, okay, because I've, I'd been working on this acting sort of semi-producing career for a really long time, but I hadn't climbed the career ladder like you should in my 20s. You know, it, it was yeah. more it was more freelancing and it wasn't very structured. And I'd just been sustaining myself with tutoring. So I really had to start from scratch and I got a marketing internship, which was really um, insightful for me. And then, you know, I started freelancing, freelancing at a couple of uh, creative agencies and really working my way up and starting to get normal work skills that, you know, you should have, well, I should have got much earlier in my life. <laughs> I can imagine that was a really exciting, but also scary experience. But how did you manage to deal with that? Well, I just got through it. I just, there were still moments where I thought, oh no, I'm going to go back to LA. And then eventually I got 
a good job, which was um, I was a digital producer at Endemore, and that was really what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was so thrilled about that job because um, yeah. it was in TV or well, digital, and uh, you know, for a company that I very much admired, which was Endemore. So I was thrilled and so that was my decision of like okay I'm staying here long term and then eventually I met my partner who's English and so I was like that that was my moment I was like okay I guess I'm hanging around (laughs) you're gonna have to stay um and you recently made and starred in a series called Crazy Science tell me a bit more about that yeah on BBC3 so I mean I've done a lot of I've been working with BBC3 for the past three years and we've been making really cool content like putting it out there which is you know there's some um clips where I test obedience of people with a high-vis jacket I did the gender bias <laughs> riddle on BBC3 um, yeah with the, the surgeon riddle and then I did Miss Holland which is this comedy character it's sort of a female Boris um, Borat a female Borat and eventually I thought you know I do want to get back to my science roots and what I'm really passionate about is making sure that other girls realize that getting a science degree is really like a wild card in life. I never thought it would be so important that I got this physics degree. You know, I thought, yeah. oh, I'll do this degree, get it out of the way, and then that's it. Yeah, I have it in your back pocket. Yeah, I have that in my back pocket in case I want to go into teaching and, you know, I can't do anything else. Yeah, definitely. So I thought I should go back to the science roots that I have. And, you know, what I'm really passionate about is getting more girls to realize that getting a science degree is like a wild card in life. Because for me, it was so important having studied physics, because I was blonde, I was an actress, but yet I never had to prove that I had a brain. You know, as soon as I said, oh, you know, oh, I studied physics, and then people would be like, oh, wow, you can do the job, or you, you know, you can do it. And yeah, just, you know, uh, that's such a valuable thing in life because you are constantly underestimated or at least I was about yeah, everything really. and so that was just like I, I guess it's like a, a boy slapping their dick on the table you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like a wild card that really really helped and so yeah. I just want to be able to give that to other girls just to be like you know this will be such a valuable thing in your life if you are interested in science do go and study it do pursue it um, and so crazy science is is a, just a light relief science show you know we we take a statement like you can die of a broken heart and we explore it and we explore some of the science behind it um, that's really lovely yeah so but it's not it's not hardcore science it's not super scientific or anything but it is sort of getting that ignite getting that ignition of interest yeah and making it exciting again yeah yeah, and I definitely think science can be such a scary word to so many people, and if you can make that exciting, it really changes their opinion on it. Or people think it's really boring. It's so boring when it's really not. It's fascinating, but people do make it boring because it makes them feel like it's more serious if it's boring, whilst actually yeah. it, just, it, it just repels a lot of people then. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that's really nice that you're trying to make people passionate about something you're passionate about, and that can really, really benefit them in the future. So, as you know, this podcast is about happiness and positivity. So, what would you generally describe yourself as, an optimist or a pessimist? Optimist. Heavily optimist, I think. I'm a bit of a worrier. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, but I am very optimistic. Yeah, yeah, you know, 
but it's a good thing because if you run a production then you know it's good to have worried about a few things so that if they go wrong you know what to do <laughs> yeah definitely and I think often you worry because you care about something not because you're just being crazy and it tends to be quite rational yeah I'll, I'll mention that to my husband when he says I'm too worried <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so this was quite a big question how do you define happiness happiness I I prefer being content I think yeah Real happiness is very flighty. It's just, you know, when you win a big pitch or something, sure, I'm ecstatic, you know. We recently won yeah. some big pitches for BBC Learning, BBC Teach. Absolutely over the moon, but that's such a small window. So you, and, and I have learned over the years to really enjoy those moments, you know, to really not just go, okay, right, well, let's get going, instead of just being like, wow, and celebrate it. And yeah big achievements I, I was taught by one of my friends she was like okay print something out about this achievement and hang it on the wall so that you remember because sometimes we just skim over our achievements and then we don't really cherish them yeah definitely because those ones can often really get lost and then when you're going for a bad time you forget the good times yeah because there's so much hardship also in, in running a business or your career so having something that's you know celebrating your achievements is really important so that you can get through the hard times too. And happiness, yeah, I prefer content. Like I'm a very content person. I'm very happy in general. Um, yeah, I really like that actually because you often think of happiness as a feeling that you get when you have achieved something really well or um, won something, but really you want to just be content in all of your life. And really it's not about the happy times, the sad times. It's just also about being pleasant along the way. Being steady, yes. I like yes. being steady. I think that's, yeah. And sadness, yeah. I think there are as many sad moments as happy moments. I think it sort of balances each other out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very content in general in life. I'm very happy. I'm pleased to hear it. <laughs> when would you say the most happiest time of your life has been? That's a very good question because usually, so, so for example, when Miss Holland got commissioned on BBC Three, obviously that's a super happy moment, right? Because yes. that's a project I've been working on for five years and finally it gets picked up to be put on BBC Three and BBC iPlayer. But yeah. then, you know, making it was really tough and it was a long development period, you know, it was blood, sweat and tears on set, you know, we had two weeks of filming and it's really hard work. So I wouldn't say that that happy, you know, that ecstatic level of happiness can't be contained throughout the whole production period. And yeah. even when it actually went out, I was like, okay, that's done. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, every bit of happiness comes with hard work, I think, as well. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. And so you have to really work hard for those flighty moments. So the happiest, I think I'm the happiest I've been now, probably ever, because I'm... Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> My, uh, I think my life's very stable. I have a yeah. wonderful, um, you know, I have a wonderful husband and a, a dog, which, you know, we're a little dog family. That's basically the best type of family. Yes. Um, the dog has brought me lots of happiness, I would say. And oh. being in a very steady relationship also for yeah. six years almost, um, five or six years. And that, that's, you know, brings a lot of happiness and stability um, so that I can do my work and building my business has brought me loads of happiness. I'm Every day I, I go to work and I think, wow, isn't it exciting we get to work on this project today, um, which is teaching kids about history or teaching kids about GCSE business or 
plants or whatever it is having work that really fulfills you makes me super happy um, yeah and content in the, in the long periods of time so even when I'm working really hard on it I'm still content about the work I'm doing yeah as you know this podcast is based on the concept every cloud has a silver lining so have you had any moments in your life where you felt a negative situation has maybe turned into a positive or something good has come out of something bad yeah I had two I have two situations of that so a failed relationship which I'm sure a lot of people can um, relate to yeah a lot of people have gone through and but yet out of that failed relationship um, we were both very creative and we made a lot of sketches comedy sketches and those comedy sketches are still going and they're still <laughs> being watched and they've opened a lot of doors for me you know uh, to show what what I can make and I think you know as much as that was a really you know a, a very sad um, ending to that relationship but so many great things have come out of it and I think that's also important to to know that yeah every every negative experience can also have something positive that might come out of it and the same goes for LA you know technically I failed in LA because I didn't you know come back as the next Jennifer Lawrence or whatever I learned so much and I technically started my production company there and I really found what I was good at and and you know honing in on what you're talented at and good at and that's that's so important and so I think both those experiences that something really positive has come out of an actual negative experience. Absolutely I can imagine you faced your fair share of rejection in LA as any actress would so how did you manage to deal with that? Yeah, that's really hard. And if I, I, I can spot an actress or an actor now a mile off because there's this, there's this sadness in your eyes. It's like wanting to please. Um, and sure, there are actors where, you know, every room they go into, they get cast. That, that yeah. does happen. You know, there are some people that just have that thing that makes them spark. Um, and, but I think that made me really hard and tough and in a good way. I think I can... You know, if you can get through, you know, years and years of auditioning and getting rejected, that makes you very resilient. And especially, you know, running a business, everyone always says, oh, it's so hard running a business. I I thought it was a breeze compared to auditioning. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. breeze. And there's so many more wins. You know, you go for pitches and you're much more likely to win it. And so I still had those odds of an audition in my head of winning something but actually the odds are much higher they're much more in your favor and so now when we do casting and we get you know you get for one role we've got two thousand applications wow that's so many and if you think of like the ratio of the one person getting that role as well it's crazy you're just like oh my god the odds are so stacked against every one of these people that's wanting this role it is so tough it's a horribly tough career to choose and I very much admire people that do do it, but it is hard. Having been in their shoes, what advice would you give those people? What actually got me through it was having something else. You know, building my business was very unexpected. It was not something that I set out to do. It just sort of happened. Um, I, we, I was managing director of a platform called Makes Channel and we sold that off. And so I, I didn't have a job anymore, um, but I did have a little bit of money in the bank. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, let's just go for it. Let me see what I can make for people. You know, let's see if companies want videos. My actual, my acting career went much better when I had something else that I was working on and that could pay the bills. 
and that made me happy alongside yeah. the acting the acting became less important there was less emphasis on the acting bit it wasn't you know my all or nothing and I guess that relates back to being content and being stable in your life and that really does have an impact on everything else around you and finding something you're good at you know that's not yeah. acting is also great because with acting even if you are very good you never feel like you're very good because you're still constantly getting rejected so it's very hard to feel success even at the yeah. you know even the biggest Hollywood actors are still having to audition if you think yeah. about that you know it's wonderful to have to find something that you're good at that gets you through the day and that you enjoy very much as well yeah I can imagine and apart from that how do you manage to keep a positive mindset in your life now it's really important to keep a positive mindset I think I I go, go to the gym every day I do a workout called f45 that keeps me very positive I really want to go there is it good it's really good yeah I really like it. I'm a big fan. I don't get paid by them to say this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important to stay active. It really helps you stay focused and it makes you feel good about yourself as well. Obviously, you have to work for happiness a lot of the time in your life, but sometimes it comes without you even trying. Have you ever experienced unexpected happiness? I'm getting the dog. <laughs> oh. So we did borrow my doggy for a year and a half. I really want to do that. That looks so much fun because I, I can't have a dog, but I think it'd be really good to do. Yeah, I, feel, I think everyone who wants a dog should do that for a bit first because you realise how much work it is. And sometimes the family would go on holiday for a week and so we'd have the dog for a whole week and you realise, wow, it's a lot of work having a dog. But at least you're very prepared for when you get your own dog. Yeah. Um, what would you say has limited your happiness in the past? Not getting out of a job that isn't good for you, and you know, or the team is not bringing out the most positive side in you, you know, and sticking to that job for too long. You know, if something's not right, then you need to act upon it and, and fix it. Yeah, completely. And I think so many people think that sometimes they stick around for a job because they think it will be better in a few weeks or something will change but a lot of the time I think sometimes you just need to find something else and move on um I've even been guilty of that as well actually but it's definitely yeah I completely agree with that currently what would you say the three things are that make you the happiest uh so the dog my husband yeah and my yeah. work my, my my company and the people I work with yeah that's so nice and it sounds like you make um your office a really lovely place to work as well so, do you have any last words of positivity? Oh, what I always try and find in my team for people is to find what is it that they're really good at. And I think if, and I had to do that soul searching myself as well. You know, I happened to find this thing, this this running a business thing that came quite naturally to me and, and I had some successes in it. And it's that's really nice to find something that you're good at you know I think everyone thrives upon being good at something and so I do that with everyone on my team I, I look you know oh you actually have a knack for editing let's you know let's see if you can do more editing and people get a lot of happiness out of that so try and find your 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 thing you know what what is it that you've got that nobody else has got yeah definitely and it's so important to find things that you're good at and things that you enjoy as well Anyway, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been lovely chatting to you and really insightful too. Lovely chatting to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Have a lovely afternoon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with myself and Aline. Everyone has their own story to happiness as well. And if you'd like to share your story with me, you can do that directly on Instagram at everycloudpodcast. 
Don't forget to listen to next Wednesday's episode with a new guest. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the podcast as well. Anyway, have a lovely day.